It's the end of April. The light's been coming back to us. The days are growing longer. No one knows the hem and haw of the sun better than me. My body runs on dawn and dusk. But I can't get a hold of time. The only thing constant is change, and I hate it. It can't be tomorrow. I pace by my bed, still dressed. The volume and violence of my father's snoring is only rivaled by the crashing of the sea against our bluffs. The walls are thin on both sides. I often wonder if I could live somewhere else, away from the ocean. I can't sleep. I refuse. It can't be tomorrow. I put on my coat and shoes and leave the lighthouse. I lean my body, tired and wired, against our foghorn. It's the size of a shed, given to us last year by the federal government. To egg, uh, yo, uh, well, everyone here calls him Lampy. Here's to 35 years of keeping our harbor and sailors safe in Passamaquoddy, a main man through and through since he began his post in 1876. Three cheers for Lampy! My father grinned like the Cheshire cat. Ah, you're too kind. He has no shame in taking credit for someone else's work. But I could feel the locals' eyes on me, having known the truth the last 20 years. But knowing the truth and speaking it are two entirely different things. Truth is whispered in quilt-making gossip and belched in drunken speeches, not announced at bureaucratic ceremonies. Everyone in Passamaquoddy knows Nora O'Toole runs the lighthouse while her father drinks the day away. But my mind didn't care about credit that day. I was dreaming about what Paul's reaction would be when he returned. He was only a week out at sea then, en route to Cape Hatteras. In less than six weeks, his ship would return. I'd see it on the horizon and blast the horn, fog or no fog. He'd laugh, his deep-set eyes would crinkle as he'd throw his head back. His smile, a waxing moon, white and brilliant and hopeful. After he'd dock his ship, I imagined how he'd rebuke me as he stepped onto land. That's a real misuse of navigational equipment, Miss Nora O'Toole. He'd scoop me up in his arms and we'd begin planning our September wedding. That should have happened over ten months ago. A fortnight after the foghorn ceremony, we received word. The ship never arrived in Cape Hatteras. Paul went from late to missing after a few weeks. Today no one uses missing anymore except me. I refuse to wear black. The wind picks up my skirt train as I venture towards the cliffs. I look out onto the dark horizon. Tomorrow marks the termination of societal sympathy, though some were done well before then. At the church social last Sunday, our school teacher, Miss Prissy Taylor, and ladies' aid president, Mrs. Eleanor Abbott, were talking a little too loudly near the refreshments. I've come to pity Nora O'Toole. I could never have foreseen she'd become as foolish and delusional as her father, all without the excuse of the drink, too. An old maid by choice makes me furious, Mrs. Abbott. There are plenty of men who would do well to have her as a wife, but she vows to marry a ghost. Such a shame. A ghost over the Passamaquoddy bachelors? Doesn't say much for the living candidates. 
Nora, it will be a year since Paul left on Tuesday. Come to your senses. When someone can hold a candle to Captain Paul Kelly, I certainly will. Until then, Miss Taylor, you'll have to share the title of eccentric old maid. Who's calling me eccentric? <laughs> I strode away, head high. Passamaquoddy women are never short of opinions. My mother used to say, Take their commentary with a grain of sea salt, darling. Opinions, much like oysters, are easy to find here in Passamaquoddy. And why waste my time in the company of a man I didn't care to keep? My body shivers from the cold air. Maine in late April is a less charming winter. I return to the lighthouse, to my room, and my bed. I lay back under the covers to warm up, not to sleep. I beg my body not to betray me. If it sleeps, it will be tomorrow. At dawn, I will extinguish the lamp on an entire year without him. But the bed is so soft, I can't refuse the refuge, and my ritual begins. Occasionally, I imagine Paul, the way his calloused hands would throw my essence into the stars, and... No. Not tonight. Tonight feels like a punishment. But I need release. Relief. No image of any other man would ever, could ever, satisfy. So, I imagine I take my bed to the sea laying on it like a flat. My body on the featherbed bobs more and more violently as my escort reveals itself from the deep. The flat begins to rise out of the water, sitting on the back of the monster. The night wind cuts through my gown, and I kneel up to greet the eight tentacle tips that surround me. Like soldiers before the battle cry, the arms of the monster hover in anticipation. This is our dance. On the nights where Paul's image fills me with grief, I turn to a forbidden god I can't understand. The first time I was taken by the Kraken, I was frightened. I thought it would kill me. That's how the story has always been told. The Kraken is a destroyer of ships and men, hungry to decimate foolish mortals who aim to conquer the sea. But I wasn't there for glory. I was in search of connection or evisceration. I was my own sacrifice. Grant me serenity by a grave or... Well, I was still in search of wrapping my knuckles on God's front door to be touched by one of its primal creatures. I think it knows I would belong to it if it let me. The first tentacle slides up my right leg, pulling me deeper into the feather bed. The second, around the left. The third, around my waist, with four and five under my arms and around my shoulders. I am lifted in the air. Six and seven trace the left and right sides of my face. The suction cups my cheeks as that eighth and final tentacle rubs between my legs. I should feel shame or fear, but all I feel is relief. 
I become more and more aligned with the stars. The suction and friction of its tentacle moves faster and faster while the tentacles around my face join their brother and hug my waist. The kraken squeezes me. My breath grows harder to find. Please, take me under with you. Don't let me see tomorrow. Tomorrow it will be a year since Paul disappeared. Tomorrow everyone expects me to move on. But I am no match for men. Only monsters will do. The tentacle between my legs retreats back into the sea. The other appendages loosen their grip on my body, lowering me back onto the feather bed. I have skimmed God's sky, and I lose the battle of consciousness. The monster wins again. I fall asleep. And then, tomorrow is here. <laughs>